Good to see you tonight. If you would, take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> and I'm going to read the first ten verses. It says that it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. He from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So tonight we're going to look at the subject of prayer. Subject of prayer, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to be assembled together. And thank you for health and strength you've given everyone to be out tonight. Father, we pray as we meet together that uh, we'd be encouraged and challenged through your word. Might the Spirit of God speak to our hearts and challenge us concerning this uh, privilege of prayer we have. And uh, may we be helped, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, prayer is one of those things that we, we talk about a lot. Probably don't do as much as we talk about it. Um, I heard an old preacher say some few years ago that we live in a prayerless age, and we have a we have the instant mentality. We want things we don't want to. Uh, we don't have patience to wait for things. We have a lot of things we have instantly with technology and all the kind of stuff, modern conveniences we have. But prayer takes work. Um, my wife and I were out visiting again. This was thirty some years ago, and. And uh, visited stuff. The, we were visit, going door to door. We we knocked on the door. Of this older couple, and I suppose seventies, and and they were say he was a safe man, and he said uh, he said uh, I've started the ministry of prayer, and he this is what he said. Do you realize how much work that is? I never really gave that thought before you know I was still green behind the ears but he said you realize how much work that is praying is work but prayer can change things you know we say we say that but prayer can change things um, it's through prayer that we get a hold of God and prayer can move the hand of God you know you, if you read through the Bible all the prayers of the Bible you know, think about it it was a prayer of Moses that changed the mind of God concerning the nation of Israel. God was ready to destroy them all and start new with Moses. And Moses intervened and said, Lord, if, if, if not, 
and there's a space there. You know, most commentators believe that Moses broke down. He didn't know what to say. If not, and then he goes on. He says, "Then block me out. If you're not, if you, if you, you know, pardon these people, and if you don't, then block me out of the book." Sort of like Paul said, "I wish that I were cursed for Christ's sake, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh." But you know, it, it caused his his prayer uh, caused the Lord to change his mind and not destroy the nation of Israel because of their disobedience and their wickedness against him, their unbelief. Uh, it's because of one uh, uh, of Hannah's prayer that we have the record of Samuel. Um, Elijah's prayer held up the heavens for three and a half years. It did not rain. And, and you know, we can go on and on and on. And, of course, here in chapter 11... And, of course, this is recorded in, in Matthew and other places as well. We call this, it's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Obviously, the Lord didn't pray it. He's saying this is how you ought to pray. We, you and I ought to pray. Uh, in verse 1, in verse 2, he says, when ye pray, say. Uh, and, of course, he has been asked to be, uh, by the disciples that they would teach him to pray, them to pray. And so this is how, he says, this is how you ought to pray. Uh, now, the, the, the word prayer is defined as to ask with earnestness or zeal, to ask of a favor or something desirable. In worship, it means to address the supreme being with solemnity and reverence, with adoration, confession of sins, supplication for mercy, and thanksgiving for blessings received. And all those things are involved in prayer. And so, you know, in the Bible says in Luke 18.1, men ought always to pray and not faint. But in verse 8 of that same verse, he says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And prayer is an act of faith. The reason we pray is we believe that God can answer. Obviously, if you didn't think God would answer, why would you bother? So prayer is prayer is it, prayer demonstrates our faith in God, our faith in God. So first of all, as we think about this tonight, how when we ought, when we pray, this is how we ought to approach God. We ought to approach God first of all with reverence. That word reverence means fear mingled with respect. In verse two, he says, "When ye pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name." Again, we ought to approach God. In worship, in adoration, in, in, in asking, not demanding. We have no right to demand anything of God. And really, you know, uh, if it, you know, you know, we don't really have any right to ask, ask anything of God, but God commands us to. God delights in our prayers. He wants us to hear our prayers. He wants to hear our prayers. If you notice what he says here, as he goes on in this, this uh, in verse 10, verse 9 and 10, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be given It's like, come on, come, come, come to me. It's kind of what he's saying. And, and, you know, and the idea here is, look, if a guy will rise from bed and give his, his friend bread to eat, don't you think God will answer your prayers if you ask? That's the, that's the idea. And so, but we are not to command or demand. 
You know, Moses didn't, when Moses approached the Lord, he didn't demand God do it. He was beseeching him. In fact, in Numbers chapter 12, you remember Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. And in Numbers chapter 12, it, it tells us about that. And it angered the Lord that they spake against Moses. And, and it says in verse 9, The anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. That, that, when you see that in the book of Exodus or Numbers or Deuteronomy, that always means God's angry and there's trouble. There's, there's going to be trouble for the people of Israel. And when the cloud departed, that speaks of God's presence. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let it not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee, and I beg thee. Now, he's not telling God what he has to do. He's begging God on behalf of his sister, Miriam. So, so he, he was begging the Lord. You know, when we come, when, and we, we need to realize when we come to God, we're coming to a God who is holy and just and His ways are perfect. He always knows what's best. God always knows what's best. He is the great, the almighty God. And, and you know, an illustration of reverence is found in, Ma- in Malachi or lack thereof. In Malachi chapter 1, and, you know, the children of Israel were, again, in apostasy. Malachi 1, and verse 6, it says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. You say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The Lord of the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he may be gracious unto you, unto, unto us. This hath been your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire in mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. In other words, you know, they weren't coming, they weren't regarding him other than a common ordinary person. You know, they had been commanded what kind of offering to bring. And that offering was to be without blemish. And he says here, I mean, you offer the blind and lame. In other words, you're giving me that which you don't want. Don't give to God what you don't want. Give to God of your best. You know, give God what is His, rightfully His. You know, we, we talk about tithes and offerings, but, you know, the, there's, there's more than that. God, give God the best of you. You know, don't wait till you're retired and then decide to serve the Lord and give the Lord your senior years. 
I know I'm talking to the choir here when I talk like that. But, but you know, some people have the idea. Well, when I, when I retire, then I'm going to serve the Lord. No, sir, give, give God your best years. The best of your life. Where you are. But no, they were not. And so he, and, and notice what he says there in verse 9. And now I pray you, beseech God that he may gracious unto us. This hath been your means. Will he regard your person? In other words, if you're not honoring him, do you think he's going to give you any regard or, or show any favor to you? I mean, would the governor, and that's what he's asking, would the governor show favor to you if you brought the blind and the lame to him with sick animals as, a, as a, an offering? No. You in Exodus chapter 9, and speaking, this was speaking about the, the uh, Egyptians during the plagues in Egypt. And it says in Exodus 9.21, And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And then in Psalm 28, verse 5, Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operations of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. And so, so you know, the idea of regarding here, showing regard or showing reverence for the Lord. If we're going to come to God in prayer, we've got to come to Him with reverence, with respect. He's not the man upstairs. He's not your co-pilot. You know, co-pilot just takes over when you, you can't run the ship. That's co-pilot. No. You know, God wants to direct your life. After all, you think about it, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows better than you do. And, and showing reverence for him would be su- submitting to him and to his will for your life. So, so prayer is coming to him in reverence. If we want guard, guard, guard. If we want God to regard our prayers, we have to reverence him. To reverence him. Hallowed be thy name. Second thing we see here is a confession of sin. In uh, verse uh, uh, 4, it says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Uh, so there needs to be, of course, a confession of sin. There needs to be a confession of sin. Uh, Psalm sixty-six, eighteen says, If I regard... Iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, that word regard there means to look to or think on with feeling respect or show respect to my sin over God, then, then the Lord will not hear me. Uh, you know, if I'm going to hang on to my sin and not let it go. You know, the, uh, the, the Pharisee, you know, the story of the Pharisee and the publican and, and, and here, in, here in the book of Luke also, and the Pharisee, you know, he... he said, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I'm not like this publican over here. And, uh, what was he doing? He was justifying himself. He was regarding himself and not showing regard of how much greater or, or uh, holy God was than himself. Uh, the, the rich young ruler was showing regard for his riches by not being willing to give God control of his riches, he was regarding his riches above God. That's a violation of the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Not only is it 
thou shalt not covet, but thou shalt have no other gods before me. He had placed his money, or he was regarding his wealth, above the Lord. You know, that was, his, that was really his God. You know, there has to be a confession of sin. So if, we have, if there's sin in our life, we need to confess it. You know, David said in Psalm 51 that, that uh, he said, Purge me with hyssop, and I should be white as snow. Uh, of course, we know 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess means to say the same thing or to agree with God about our sin. So if we, if we agree with God about our sin and confess it, he is faithful and just. Now, based upon the, the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, if, and of course that's written to Christians, it, it, based upon the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God's justice requires that he forgive us our sins when we agree with him concerning our sin because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. So there must be. There must be confession of sin. And, and of course, there also, along with that, there needs to be forgiveness of those who sinned against us. You know, we can't hold on to bitterness or vengeance. Again, th- this goes along with what it says in Romans chapter 12. In, in verse, uh, and, and really, again, what we're doing here is we're exalting ourselves into the place of God and, and taking something that God says is mine and making it our own. When we, when we hold against another person, uh, they're wrong against us. Verse, uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will pay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I remember some years ago I was reading, I have a book at home, uh, it's scrapbook clippings, it's kind of what it's called, from the Soul of the Lord Publishers. Uh, written by the lady who was secretary there for years. Anyway, she told the story about the farmer who uh, who the neighbor was neighbor next door. He was a very very uh, mean man, an ungodly man. And and he and he, and he, she said this this other family their their pigs get out one day and went over into his property, went into his cornfield, and he caught them all and and killed them. And then called, he said, and it was the boy who was telling the story, and he said, he called my dad and said, come get your pigs. So they said, we drove over there, picked up our dead pigs, brought them back, and butchered them. And uh, he said the things like that went on for a while, and he said, one day his pigs get into our fields. And he said, I so bad wanted dad to kill those pigs, but he didn't. He caught them. He loaded them up on the truck, hauled them back over to the neighbors. And he said, what a tongue-tied neighbor we had that day. He didn't know what to say. And, and because of their actions, you see, he didn't seek vengeance. He didn't seek vengeance. He just did what was right. And it, and it, and it changed their neighbor. 
and, uh, and, and they had an opportunity to witness to him because of that. So we're not to avenge ourselves. That's part of confession of sin. We have to let God take care of that. Uh, we must forgive those that have sinned against us. So there needs to be confession of sin. Thirdly, their supplication is involved in uh, prayer. And, and I, and I kind of like this to the parable here of the importunate friend. You know, he just didn't ask one time and quit. You know, because his first response was, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. Now, I, I know that this verse is used, verse 7 is used, you know, some people talk about a family bed where the kids and the parents all sleep in the same bedroom. I don't think that's what that means. I think it just simply means we are in bed and our children are in bed, you know, you know, uh, that's a, that's a whole other story, but, but anyway, yeah, we're all in bed. That's the idea. My children are in bed too. Not in mine, but you know, they are. And he said, and, and so he says, trouble me not, yet because of his importunity. He just didn't give up. He persisted. Uh, he was earnest. He was in need. So he was earnest in his prayer. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions. Now, notice the word supplication and prayer is used in this, this passage, so they don't necessarily mean the same thing. Their supplication is part of prayer, but it's, it's a, an earnestness to it. Um, prayers, intercessions, that would be praying for something, someone else. Giving thanks to be made for all men. Um, Ephesians 6.19 also talks about prayers and supplications. Um, but the best illustration, I think, is in First. In James chapter 5, when it says, Elias, in verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not in the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now, you think, we know, we don't, the Bible doesn't really tell us about him praying before the drought came, about how that he did that, but it does tell us about him praying for rain. And he went up in the mountain and he prayed. And he told a servant, go look. The servant came back and said, nothing. And he kept on praying. He sent a servant. I forget how many times he sent a servant. And finally the servant said, there's a little cloud. A little cloud. You know. No, but he didn't give up. He didn't quit. Earnest. Uh, Hannah was earnest in her praying. In fact, she was so earnest and so broken, and so burdened, that Eli thought she was drunk. Uh, of course, he was half blind, too, you know. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, there's, there's, there needs to be earnest, an earnestness in our praying. Earnestness. Uh, there needs to be wholeheartedness in our praying as well. We need to pray with our whole heart. And go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Well, go to, uh, look first in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. 
Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Now, some people have this idea that God doesn't, has bad thoughts to them, about them. You know, God does have bad thoughts about our sin. Now, when I say bad thoughts, God doesn't have any bad thoughts like we have bad thoughts. But he has thoughts. It, it, you know, sin, of course, brings about the judgment of God. So, so you know, that's... that's but, uh, but the bottom line is, God has thoughts or desires of peace. Notice this verse says, you know, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. Uh, God is looking for sincerity, we might say. Not, oh, you know, well, if he gives me what I want, or, you know, if he answers right away, or, you know, well, I'll give it a try. You know, can't hurt. That's, that's not really sincerity. Uh, that's not wholeheartedness. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. <clears throat> Verse 2 says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. You want to be blessed of the Lord? Verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Verse 34, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Heart. Verse 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Verse 69, the proud have forced a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Uh, and again, verse 145, um, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes and you know so the psalm was saying look we need to we need to come to god with a whole heart not half-hearted you again the rich young ruler wasn't wholehearted he wanted to hold something back his heart was set on something besides the lord he wanted to share he wanted he didn't want to give the lord preeminence you know, Colossians 3, what is it? Colossians 3, Colossians 1 says that in all things he might have preeminence. So, so we need to come to him with a whole heart. Whole heart. We can't play games with God. God won't be manipulated. He won't be. We have to come with him, as the old timers would say, you know, they're going to get in the fight and how you want to have it. No holds barred. Everything. Giving it all to him. That's the idea. Wholehearted. Fifthly, we need to pray in faith. We need to pray in faith. You know, Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. So you, you pray for his will to be done. That's praying in faith. 
for his will to be done. And you know, you're, 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 you're casting yourself upon him to, to, to answer your prayer. You know, over and over again, the Bible talks about having faith uh, or praying in faith. James 1, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. James chapter 1. And verse 5 says, if any, man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that liveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with wind that toss. For let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So he says you were to ask in faith. Uh, Ezra in Ezra 8, 21-23, Ezra says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Haven. You know, this is when they were taking all the, the, the vessels back to Jerusalem, to the temple. So they had millions and millions of dollars worth of silver and gold and golden vessels and silver vessels for the temple that, Solomon, or that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple when they had, they had, when they had uh, destroyed it. And so they proclaimed a fast there at the river Haven, that we might afflict ourselves before our God, to seek him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them that for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. So they, they didn't ask the king. They were ashamed because they had told the king, our God's hand will be with us in this thing. He's with us. His power and his wrath, it's against all them that forsake him, and he's with us. Therefore, they fasted and prayed. They believed God. They believed God. Uh, Mark 11, 22 to 24, Jesus answering, said to them, have faith in God. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever thing you shall ask of them, uh, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, that doesn't mean we can just pray for anything we want. In faith, and we're going to get it. It's like, it's like any other doctrine in the Bible. You have to understand everything there is about prayer. And one of the things you have to pray is for the will of God to be done. It may not be God's will for you to, to get a million dollars tomorrow. So just because you believe you're going to get it, and you pray and ask God believing you're going to get it, doesn't mean you're going to. Because it may not be God's will. You know, uh, I think that's kind of a foolish prayer anyway. But, but anyhow, you know, that, but he's, what he's saying is, look, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 19 and 20. One of my favorite verses. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Now, I want you to think about when the nation of Israel was coming out of Egypt, 
they're in the wilderness, and they come up against uh, the promised land, and so they send in the 12 spies. Now, God has said, go in and possess the land. I have given it to you. So they decide to send the 12 spies in to search out the land, and, of course, the ten come back with an evil report. Joshua and Caleb, men of faith, said, no, let's go up at once. You know, they're, 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 they're like grasshoppers. You know, they're meat for us. And then other men said, no, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And there's giants in there and walled cities. And, you know, we can't do that. And really what they're saying is, God can't do what, God, you can't do what you promised. You see, Verse 19 again says, What a exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. When he did finally take them in, when they obeyed him or trusted him and believed in him and went in according to his promise, you know what they find out? God made the walls fall down. God sent hailstones. And sometimes the hailstones destroyed more people than the children of Israel were actually killed. God sent hornets to drive them out. You see, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what we believe? We won't, we're not going to see his power if we don't believe him. So, we have to pray in faith. Remember in John chapter 11, Lazarus has died. And so Jesus tarried two more days where he was and then said, let's go see Lazarus. And, of course, when he got there, Martha met him and said, Lord, if thou hast been said, my brother would not have died. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he are dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Yeah, yeah, Lord, I, I know that, you know, you are the resurrection and, you know, you know, I know about that. And then, but, he, but then when he gets to the grave and is actually going to exercise that he is the resurrection and the life, she says, oh, wait a minute, don't, 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 don't do that. He's shortly, but now he stinks. And then he said, said I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And then he said, roll the stone away. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And of course, Lazarus came forth, wrapped in grave clothes. Now, we need to pray in faith. If we want to see God work, we've got to pray in faith. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, four times the Bible says, The just shall live by faith. Four times. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. Mueller, I can't remember his first name. Huh? George Mueller, thank you. George Mueller said this, quote, and, and, you know, George Mueller, you know, you ought to read his book sometime. He saw miracle after miracle. He had, of course, thousands of orphans, and he, he uh, was a man of great prayer. But he said this, quote, 
I was not looking at the little in hand, but at the fullness of God, unquote. Um, so we need to pray in faith, believing that we shall have that we receive of him, that we ask of him. And then number six, we need to pray according to his will. And again, in verse 2, he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. We have to pray according to his will. How did Jesus pray? He didn't pray just for what he wanted. You know, he did ask. He did ask, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He knew what was required for the penalty, to pay the penalty for sin of mankind, the shedding of his own blood. He becoming sin for us who knew no sin. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. See, we have to pray that God's will will be done. 1 John 5, in verses 14 and 15, John, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So we need to ask according to his will. Elijah prayed according to God's will. He prayed it would not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. What was he doing? He was praying. You know, that, again, I, as I mentioned, I think it was maybe Sunday afternoon, you know, praying that it would not rain for three and a half years was going to cause him suffering. Not only to be hated by everyone. <laughs> I don't know if you remember... Um, some of you may, and I'm trying to remember what actually happened, but there were riverboats in the Mississippi. I think it was the riverboats in Mississippi uh, they, that they were um, like cruise ships, and people at that time called them, uh, my mother's Christians called them Sin City, basically. You know, they were just places of wickedness. Anyway, there was something was, and I can't remember, some of them got destroyed, and, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was some well-known international preachers made statements that, that God was judging these because of this. Boy, the backlash, the out, backlash about that, you know. Um, and that's, that's the kind of thing that Elijah would have gotten because he prayed for God's will to be done. You know, we need to pray for the Lord's will and not our own will. We have to be careful not to seek our own will. And James 4 talks about this when he says in verse 3, Ye ask and ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So really, the idea here, the reason he's saying, the reason you're not receiving what you want from the Lord is because you've got selfish motives in mind. You don't have the glory of God in mind. You're, you're asking it for your own desires and pleasures. And so, he said, you ask and receive not. Because 
you're asking for your own selfish gain. You know, why do we pray? What do we, why do we pray for what we do? Are we looking for God to be glorified? Do we, do we want God to 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 uh, uh, make us you know enlarge us and and to make us uh, uh, you know you bring in more money so that we can give more, or just so we can have more? So, so do we pray for God's will to be done or what we want to be done? So we need to, we need to be people of prayer, and we need to consider these things when we pray. Uh, you know, we, need, we need to pray about, of course, we need, you know, we've got missions conference coming up here at the end of the month, and, and so we need to be praying about what the Lord would have us to give this year. In fact, I put out some faith promise cards back there on the back table. Uh, you can begin praying about what the Lord would have you to give. And, and so, you know, above our tithes, uh, to faith promise missions. Uh, you know, we need to ask the Lord what he would have us to give through us for his glory, for his honor. Jeremiah 33.3 still says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Psalm 34, verse 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and delivered him out of all his troubles. Oh, we need to be people of prayer. We need to pray. We need to pray for, uh, you know, Paul instructed the, the believers in his day uh, some things they ought to pray, pray for. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, Finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Uh, pray for our pastors. Pray for boldness to speak the truth. Pray for our church and members to have boldness and witness. Pray for our missionaries. And for each other as we go out in the world and mingle with people. That God would use us to be a witness and testimony to those around us who know not the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, when you pray, and men ought always to pray and not faint. In other words, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The Lord is coming. You know, we live in a world, a busy world. Uh, a lot of things to pull us every direction. But we must keep our communication with the Lord alive and healthy if we want to walk with the Lord and be a witness and testimony for him.